Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. My message is titled, The Best Evangelists. And when I was thinking of it this week, um, immediately I thought about the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And in the first chapter, he actually said these words in in verse 12. Um, He said, I'm a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Jesus or Christ. And I'm not here today to to sort of debate who is the uh, greatest evangelist of all time. If it's just a numbers thing, I know that all of you know about Billy Graham, but he probably exceeded in sheer numbers by Reinhard Monke, who's had as many as a million people sign salvation cards in a single service. And um, God has used him mightily, but These are great men of God, and there are many, many more names that I could bring up. But then again, I have to say, is it right to say that anyone is a greater evangelist than Jesus? And so the point that I want you to get out of this today is I I came across a study. It was done many years ago at this stage, probably 20 years ago. And it they wanted to discover how individuals came to know Christ. So the survey group was amongst believers. You with me? So they asked the question, how did you come to know Christ? What are the steps that led to you following Jesus Christ? And I want you to hear this, because this is a little shocking. 2% of respondents said they became Christians through non-personal evangelism, such as media presentations, advertisement, and literature. So in other words, all of our tele-evangelists and, and, and all of the these non-personal evangelistic efforts, advertisements, or tracts, putting out tracts in bathrooms and other places like that, Only 2% came to know Christ through that pathway. Now, I understand that this survey, this survey, again, is probably 20 years old. So I know that it's changed. I know that media represents a larger portion now than it did in the past because everybody with Facebook and all of these other methods of reaching out to people that are lost, it, it does have a greater impact. But... It's not that much different. And you'll understand by the time I'm done with the message why we're even doing this. 6% said they came to Christ through a pastor's influence. So thank God for preachers and pastors and evangelists. They were somehow involved in the process of seeing people come to know Jesus, Lord and Savior. Another 6% said they accepted Christ through an outreach program or crusade. So they're still effective doing outreach like we're going to be doing on Saturday and our big Christmas outreach. It has effectiveness. We have reached people who are lost through these means, but that only represents 14% of the people who responded to this survey. What about the other 86%? This overwhelming majority said they became believers through the influence of a friend or relative. So what is that telling you? The primarily or the most effective means of evangelism is still one-on-one with somebody you know. It's still the most effective means of evangelism. So I'm going to talk with you about that and we're going to look at somebody in the scriptures who really is 
one of the first deacons. So we're going to look at Philip tonight, or today. It's not night yet. It is afternoon, but it is not night yet. So here we go. I, I, I'm going from Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. How about that? As early as church exists, rumblings of discontent exist. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. Prejudice. First church, first earliest part of the church. You got prejudice going on and this struggle going on in the church, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. How about a relevant message? So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should not spend our time teaching the word of God, or, or, excuse me, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God not running a food program. Thank you all that helped myself, my wife, Pastor Mackay, Minister Robert, all of us that are staff pastors here, not have to run every program in the church. Hallelujah. So that we can spend our time doing what we must do for your benefit. And so, brothers, select seven men, listen to this, who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit and wisdom. Boy, I could preach that right there, that line right there. Men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility <laughs> They can take, take care of these widows. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and in teaching of the word. Everyone liked this idea. And they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Philip Procurus. I, I should have, I'm, I'm going to give it to you here in the word. I've been bypassing this the whole time. Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith, these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. I want to read another passage because we're going to look at a New Testament role model here. We're going to look at Philip, one of those first deacons that you just heard me read about. And uh, Philip, we want to see how he... Uh, he became used of God as an evangelist, but that's not where he started. You just heard me say that he was literally a servant of tables. Did you get that? He was called and appointed to serve the tables of the Grecian widows to make sure they weren't discriminated against. Just serving tables. So let me read another passage, though. Because Philip doesn't stay there. You saw in that part that I read, he was full of faith, the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. He had all three of those things going for him. And the people recognized that in him. But I'm going to Acts chapter 8. I don't have this for you on the overhead. But I'm in Acts chapter 8, verse 5 from the New Living Translation. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. So follow me for a minute. He's going to Samaria. You remember how they felt about Samaritans? And told them about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Here's the signs. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in the city. It's good when God shows up and he uses his people, amen? So I want to begin by saying Philip's lay status 
did not prevent him from sharing. Wow, I, what a misprint. Did y'all see it? Yeah, I just saw it. I saw it with my eyes, but I said what I was supposed to say. Did not prevent him from sharing Christ, not from sharing Christ. With many he encountered, including the Ethiopian eunuch. So, just to help all of you understand something, his lay status... That's not to demean his position. He was only a deacon. But it didn't stop him being full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of wisdom from being used by God in a mighty fashion. Note, he wasn't a trained evangelist. He did not go to a school of evangelism. We really don't even know if he was there when Jesus was doing his work in ministry. Likely, he knew of Jesus. I'm certain he did. And, and, he, and he may have found Jesus as Lord and Savior. But we understand from this passage, all we know about him is that he was, he was full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Somebody saw something in him. Amen? So he wasn't a trained evangelist as such. Although he was involved in evangelism, he was never called or appointed as an evangelist. Your Bibles may say that. If you read various versions, you read the Amplified, it'll say Philip the evangelist. So the evangelist, though, is not where he started. He started as a deacon, serving tables. He had to be the servant before he could become the evangelist. Had to be full of faith. Had to be full of the Holy Spirit. Had to have some wisdom. It's important that you understand that Philip was just like you. That's what I want you to understand. He started where any of you are right now. At some point, he was just in the pew listening to the words of the Lord. Listening to other preachers, etc., there are five key reasons Philip was used so mightily by God, and that's what we're going to cover today in this message. Five key reasons Philip was used so mightily by God. The first key reason is he was available. He was available to be filled. According to Acts 6, 3, he was one of the seven men chosen to serve. So he's available to be filled. Some of you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you want some kind of ministry. Some, many of you are sitting out there, you fantasize about being able to lay hand on a workmate and see him heal. I know it. I know it's what, pe what we believers do. You just, you know, and you, I, I know that you're confessing that it's all about Jesus and you just want to be used by him to do a good work for him. But are you available? Because Philip was available. He was there. He could be chosen. Somebody saw something in Philip. This clearly implies that not only was he filled with Holy Spirit, but his infilling was valid and visible. Man, I can't. I'm only pressing it once, but it's doing it twice, so my apologies. But um, he was, His infilling was valid and, and visible. What I mean by that is he didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk, so much so that as the brothers began to consider what now uh, was being said to them by Peter and the apostles, if you will, that, that they saw something in Philip that made them think he could fulfill this role and do a good job at it. So what are you doing? What are you looking like? Are people able to look at you and say, there's a faithful sister, there's a faithful brother. I'd like to have them serving in a lead role because I know they'll do a good job. Not only do they dance and shout in the church services, but they're out here on other days 
cleaning up or fixing up or going out on the street witnessing or here for the men's ministry meeting or there for the ladies gathering. They're faithful. And you know you can look at them and trust them. He was available to be faithful. So they were able to see this. In faithfulness, Philip wasn't looking, by the way, for a starring role. He only wanted to serve the Lord. And when the Lord called on him, the people asked him, he said yes. Uh, you know, you don't see it. We want you to sign this contract. None of that. He just simply said, hey, if you're willing, would you be willing to step into this role and be a servant of tables? That's the only thing they gave him. The daily food distribution. You know what people are like in food distribution, right? Come on, say it. Penny? Well, I, I'm, I'm on a keto diet. I can't have that stuff. Do you have some? No, we don't. You get what you get. Can you give me my food on another day? I can't be there at Monday. We have all of this stuff. It's no different back in that time. No different. And that's what Philip was doing. He was dealing with people. And people can be a pain in the neck. None of you. <laughs> of course. I'm preaching this over the airways for people that might hear this message, not you. I want you to catch this. Philip had to be filled with the Holy Ghost to do what he did. And to be recognized for who he was. You have to be connected. And what we're going to see as we follow along here and what God does with and through Philip, you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. you got to be connected. So the key to God using you uh, from Philip's life is to be faithful and filled. Faithful and filled. So Philip was available. Faithful and filled. The second point of five, Philip was obedient. He was obedient. Acts 8, 26, as the, for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So here it is, simple. When the angel said go, Philip went. <laughs> when God asks you to do something, just do it. Now be honest, some of you would have wanted an itinerary Schedule of events, not to mention an explanation as to why, why you, why now. Because that's what some of us do when the Lord challenges us with our next step. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I guarantee you there are at least a dozen people in the room right now that God has asked you to do something and you came back with a question instead of an answer. He asked you to do something. When God asks you to do something, just do it. You don't have to know every next step, all of the steps. You just need to know what the next step is. I try to tell this to young believers, young followers of Christ. Rachel, Brian, when God says go, just go. You don't have to know all the next steps. Just yes. That's your proper answer. If you're going to be led by God, then be led by God. Do what he asks you to do. Go where he asks you to go. Just, I just need to know next. I don't have to know all the, everything. How am I going to get Jesus told his people when he sent them out, when he sent the 72 out, don't take nothing with you. Just go. He was telling them, I'm all the provision you need. Now I'm getting off on just the second point, and I'll never get through five if I keep this up. Just say yes. Just be obedient to the Lord, and he will get you where you need to go. And listen, if you go with, uh, you're only charged up with him, 
He's all you need. He'll fill in the gap. He simply said yes out of obedience. A life of faith is built on this kind of response to God. I want you to hear what I'm saying now. Philip responded yes. Some along the way, he knew he could trust Jesus, whatever the case was. He could trust. When that angel said go, and I know you're saying, well, if an angel told me to do something, I'd do that. These pages are full of stuff you need to be doing. Are you doing that? Okay, I'll move on. Don't make God send an angel to your room. He's going to mess you up. That's going to mess you up. You start telling people you saw an angel, and then's when your problem's going to start. You know what I'm saying. Listen to Holy Spirit. Philip knew he could trust God, and he, and he did. He just, he knew he could trust God, so he, he did trust the Lord. Um, God, see, here's what I want all of us to understand. He wants to direct or assign us more often than we realize. He wants us activated and, and working for him way more often than we realize it. We're thinking there are these special occasions, you know, that we need to hear a voice from heaven. You'll hear a voice from heaven when you get connected to Holy Ghost good enough. He'll tell you every day, two or three times a day, what you should be doing, who you should be talking to. Philip, like Jesus, understood his father's timing and sovereign appointments was the key to success in ministry. You know, like the Apostle Paul says, in my weakness, he's made strong. You may not think you're ready, but if he says you're ready, you're ready. He doesn't want you relying on your intelligence. That, that's not a thing against, I mean, my goodness, we have the Pendell School of Ministry right here in our church. So I want you getting your education. I want you growing in your abilities and understanding of the Word of God and how to do ministry. Yes, I'm all for that. But I also want you to understand if you're trying to do it in your own power and strength, you're not going to get where you need to go. Understand the Father's timing and His sovereign appointments. You'll be in the right place at the right time. And if you're full of the Holy Ghost, He'll give you everything you need at that moment. He'll do that in your life. Number three, Philip showed sensitivity and genuineness in his approach. He did not view the Ethiopian as a spiritual scalp in uh, verse 30, but as a valued individual to whom God had sent him. You know what I mean, what I mean when I say a spiritual scalp? It's like when we count the numbers. We, we will continue to count numbers. Because we want you to understand we're doing a work for the kingdom of God. And it's important that we understand. We measure what we're doing so that we can be as effective as we possibly can be. We have tweaked our Arkansas outreach since the beginning. The first time we've had it, we change things every year relative. And then we change according to the circumstances. Last year, we knew we would have people in masks and stuff. And we had to make sure that we had a right number of people and all of these things. We had to adjust to this and that. We were ministering to people in the community. And we wanted them to come in and feel safe while they were here. But we could share the gospel with them. So we've been, so we count the numbers. Those things are important. But Philip wasn't going there to be able to say to his buddies in ministry, hey, I just met up with a eunuch. He's a hot shot from Ethiopia. I led him to Jesus. How many eunuchs have you led to Jesus? No, he's not doing that. So he didn't view it as, a, as some sort of a spiritual scout. Listen to what the word says in Acts 8, verse 30. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? 
Now pay attention to what's going on here. Philip did not run up to the, to the uh, chariot and say, the man of God is here, I have a word for you. God sent me. You need to stop this chariot, get off, have a seat, and listen to what God has to say. You don't hear that, do you? Look at what Philip does. He was obviously in pretty good shape. There's a whole bunch of us, we ain't running up beside some chariot trying to talk. <laughs> you, uh, could you slow that chariot down? So he wasn't just available, he was able. Listen to how, what he does. By asking, do you understand what you're reading? Here's what Philip was really doing. He's saying, is what you're reading meaningful to you? Clearly he had obviously, he, he had to come from Jerusalem or somewhere where he could pick up a scroll of Isaiah, the prophet. And so he asked him, does it mean something to you? He's identifying that this, this Ethiopian, in this case, had no clue what he was reading. He just figured he's going to some place. Maybe he wants to grow in his knowledge and understanding. He wants to expand his understanding. And somehow he manages to get a scroll of Isaiah, the prophet. Identifying the Ethiopian's immediate frame of reference helped Philip guide him to belief in Christ. Philip could have responded with deep prejudice, even jealousy. Why? Because he was Ethiopian. That means he was dark-skinned from Africa. And Philip wasn't. So he could have responded and like, you know, I ain't talking to no Ethiopian, and he's a eunuch. And y'all, parents, you can explain that to your children, stuff like that. Well, it just means that he was a servant, though, in, in the, uh, uh, the uh, court if you will, the official's court from the, you know, the palace, if you will, in Ethiopia. He had position. He had rank, and that would be another reason Philip might have said no. Because, first of all, people that had chariots were wealthy. All right? If you owned a chariot, it, it's the equivalent of something above uh, like a Mercedes today for us, I'll say, because most of us are wealthy enough to have one or two cars in our household. But so we're talking way, way more second level. If you had a chariot, you had wealth. And more than that, if you had a scroll, you were wealthy. Why? Because these were handmade. Somebody had to do this by hand to do the whole scroll? You're talking about, you're paying somebody for, for months of their time. And so he could have been prejudiced. He could have said no and all of those, for all of those reasons. And he didn't just run up beside the chariot and shout, you, you need to repent, you vile sinner. You know, get off of that chariot, you vile sinner from Ethiopia. He didn't do such a thing. Nor did he expect the chariot to stop because the man of God was here. And he didn't employ as well the litany of excuses that we would employ. If it were some of us, we would say, well, if the chariot breaks down, I'll know that's a sign from God. <laughs> we need more. You know, we can't just... Obey the Lord and, you know, maybe we're not even capable of running alongside the chariot. I'm not, this isn't a slam for those of you who do not exercise, Pastor Mackay. <laughs> She's out in the foyer. She can't even defend herself right now. She's eating donuts out there in the foyer right now. Just... <laughs> She's coming in to defend herself right now. I'll give her the opportunity. And the floor is turned over to <laughs> She does run after God. She just doesn't exercise like. Just not her thing. 
<laughs> so, I'll wait till you get out there and I'll finish this. Here's, here's the point. All right, don't get lost on the, the fun I'm having here with this um, exercise and such things. That's not the point. Philip listened to the Lord. He was available and willing to do what he had to do to bring the gospel to somebody in need. So where's your chariot that you need to chase after? Where's your eunuch that you need to find? Where's the person in your life and surrounding your life? You see, because God positions, this is the Holy Ghost right now, God positions every single one of us in people's lives so that we can have the influence in their life to bring them to Jesus. Every one of us are capable and should be doing this. Not just a handful, not just the people. Now, we're going to show up. I, I trust you show up. I hope we have 50, 60, 70 people on Saturday to hand out, tra or not tracks, but we'll do the gospel track and, 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 and hand out the flyers. And, and we'll hit everywhere we can. How many do we have? Twenty-five hundred flyers, so we can do that. We can do that. If we have fifty of you, we can do that easily. But just beyond just passing out flyers, inviting people to the Christmas outreach, we want to tell them about Jesus, give them an opportunity to respond to the Lord. Philip impacted others because his message was relevant to his hearers. Caring wasn't enough. I want you to hear me on this. Because, you know, um, just because, like the commercials for Children's Relief Fund, you can care and still not do anything. Caring's not enough. The fact that you're concerned about their lo being lost, that's not enough. His example wasn't enough. Just living good. Oh, I'm Philip the Evangelist, Mr. Eunuch. I'm here sent from God for you. He did none of that. His example wasn't enough. What I'm telling you, you can live right, look good, act right, be a solid believer, come to church every Sunday, maybe even a Wednesday on occasion, but that's not enough. There came a moment when Philip had to open his mouth and speak. Yes, God sends visions and dreams to people, in, in, even in foreign lands. That doesn't take away your responsibility to talk to your neighbor, your friend, your workmate. None of that takes away that responsibility. But the fact that there are 700 churches in the Lehigh Valley... There are also 840,000 people in the Lehigh Valley. And if you do the math, that means that in those 700 churches, if we really reached all of the people, there would be 1,200 people in every church. There isn't. So that means we got a lot of work to do, doesn't it? When Philip spoke, the message was on Christ, not on secondary issues. It's not witnessing if you're arguing over politics. Jesus is not a Republican, contrary to popular belief. He's not a Democrat either. He's not even libertarian or non-identifiable politically. I'm sorry. There was sarcasm in that, and I apologize for that <laughs> remark. He, he was not, if you're, listen, you can argue till you're blue in the faith. You're not winning people to Jesus with that argument. Surely you don't care if they're blue or red when they vote. You're, you're more concerned about their eternal lives. If they don't get that right, they're going to hell. That's the same thing as giving food out. We can give you food for your physical body, but if you're not saved, you're still going to go up, go down to hell. You can be full when you get there. 
It may be nice to offer prayer, but you don't, don't confuse that with witnessing either. Come on, you got to be bolder than that. Tell them about Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Let me get to the fifth one here today. Philip not only helped to convert the eunuch, but he also assisted in his first step in discipleship. If you know the story, you know this is true. Acts chapter 8, verse 38 says it this way. He ordered the carriage, not Philip, the eunuch, ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. First step in discipleship. So you know what that means. The impromptu roadside baptism was the confirmation of the work of God in the eunuch. You see, because the goal of evangelism is more than decision making. It's about becoming a follower, a full-on follower of Jesus Christ. We have people get saved all the time in our church, and I don't see them a month later. So it's got to move beyond just the salvation experience you got to maintain your walk with God. And the way you can maintain your walk with God is by being uh, a follower, full-on follower. And that comes through discipleship. I want to tell you a little bit about my path to Christ. Many of you know that I was born and raised in Florida. And uh, what you may not know is that when I was uh, just five years old, my parents were divorced. And so my father moved away and, and uh, about an hour and a half away and we would spend our summers with our father. I love my father. My father was a good man. And, and uh, he didn't just tell us to go to church. He took us to church. And so from my earliest six years old, he took us to Lakedale Baptist Church. And we began, we would do that all summer long. And we didn't just go Sunday morning. We'd go Sunday nights. We'd go Wednesday nights. Again, he didn't just tell us to go to church. He took us to church. And, and that was my first experience of coming to know Christ. But it's because I was influenced by my father in particular, and we were expected to be there. By the way, this was in a day and an age. If your parents said, we're going to church, you went to church. There wasn't an alternative. Well, I'm going to stay home and watch it on live stream. Nope, you're going to be there in live stream or your butt's going to be screaming. Uh, and so we, we, but we, that was effective in me finding Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Um, so direct family involvement or direct leading by a family member saying that we had to go. But it became a real experience for me because I was there. Somebody said, we're going. But it didn't, it wasn't just that. I want you to catch this as well. Because I told you I was with my father in the summers. Well, all of the school year, I was with my mom, and we didn't go to church. We just didn't go to church. We just didn't do church. So all of those years, all, every summer, I'd be in church all summer long. But during the school year, not so much. However, there was an old guy that somehow we got to know that attended a Pentecostal church on the north side of, of uh, Fort Myers, North Fort Myers, Florida. And my grandmother actually went there as well. So I don't remember now. I, don't, I could probably ask my oldest brother. He may remember how this connection was made. His name was Brother Corbett. I have no idea what his first name is. That's all I knew him of as. But I was, like I said, I was between eight and nine years old. He would just stop at our house on Saturday and say, hey, I'm going to be here tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock. I want to pick you up and bring you to Sunday school. And we're like, he's an old guy, and I can't be disrespectful to him. Who are you? Now, that would happen today. I don't know you. And we wouldn't do that kind of thing. But he would invite us uh, to church, and we would go. And he was persistent. Always, we try to find, we try to find excuses, but it, we could. He would show up, and then he'd come Sunday morning, and we weren't ready, and he'd say, "I'll wait." He was available. He was willing. He was bold enough. He didn't care if we liked him or didn't like him. He just wanted to make sure we got in church. And I'm, 
asking, are you Brother Corbett for somebody else? Are you, as a parent, the one that you just, just need to be a little more bold and bring that child to church because they need Jesus? Somebody, and I remember being brought in, it was, I think it was like a 32 uh, Ford. All I know is it was a four-door. It was huge. It, it was huge, like 40 feet long. No, it wasn't that long, but it was, it was huge. And I could stand up in the floorboard of the back seat, not the seat. I could stand on the floorboard and not, my head wouldn't even touch the ceiling in the thing. And the seat was like that long. So my feet, you didn't fold them, otherwise you were sitting up front of the seat because it was so long and so big. He made sure that he showed up and he picked us up and we went to church with him. And I'm asking you today, who's near you that doesn't know Jesus? Who's near you that needs you to tell them about Jesus? You can too. Like Philip, you can be used to reach out with the love and salvation that only Jesus provides. You can. Don't just leave it to evangelist Nick and Emily. Yeah, they're gifted. Called by God. Called out specifically to do that. And not all of you are going to be doing it that way. But they can teach you how to do what you need to be doing on a daily basis. I want you all to know this. We must be ever mindful that it is our task to take this message to the world. Our task. Not somebody else's. Don't keep looking at everybody else. I don't have the personality for that. I'm shy. I can't do this. No, get your butt off your butt and get out and do something for the kingdom of God. It begins in our own neighborhood. There's somebody you know really close to you that's going to wind up in hell because you were afraid to tell them that Jesus loved them. Come on, don't let their blood be on your hands. Just get it off of your hands. Be willing, be faithful, be, be uh, in the position that Christ can use you. Sharing our, your faith needs to become part of your DNA. I mean it needs to be in your system. That you're always ready and willing. Always. If Brother Benjamin was there, he's probably watching us right now. They're housebound. But I, lo I love being around that man. You go places with him. He didn't care who you were, where you were. He didn't care what your position was. He'd walk up to anybody and say, hey, do you know that Jesus loves you? And you need to have a relationship with him. And I know this is, it's so foreign in our day because we're being told that spiritual life is personal. Don't talk to people. Listen, don't you may well land in hell if you don't show them the way of Jesus? Surely you do. Your neighbors, your friends, your loved ones. Tell them about Jesus. Because here's the thing. The world is full of searching, wounded people who need someone who understands, someone who will teach them. Like the eunuch needed Philip to show up at that moment at that time and the eunuch, he came to understanding that Isaiah was talking about Jesus. And so Philip could say, the Messiah is here, he's come, and, and he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement, it was put upon Jesus so that you could have everlasting life. He told that to the eunuch. And even though he had been brought up in a, another religion and taught other things, he came to understand that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. He was the pathway to the Father. So will you be that someone? One-on-one. -on -one. That is still the best way to share your faith. Will you step up and become a bold witnesser?
Would you be willing to become a bold witnesser for Jesus? You can come on Saturday, and I can guarantee you we can help you to do this and do it so simply. Just a few simple things that if you learn just a few verses of scriptures and just the right, right way to put it together, you can share your faith with Jesus, for, uh, with Jesus and with your neighbor, with your friends, with your loved ones. Would you bow your head for just a moment? Nobody moving, please. If you, if you will, just stay sitting for just some brief moment. If you're here today and not in a right relationship with Jesus. I've been talking to believers all morning long. And, and if you're here right now and you're not in a right relationship with Jesus, but you want to change that. If you're here right now and there's even the smallest question mark on whether or not if Jesus were to rapture his church, would he take you with him? If that's your situation, that's your story, would you just lift your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. I want to get things right with the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Say, I, I just... I got to get things right with the Lord. I don't want to be left behind. Jesus raptures his church. Everybody standing, please. Now, raising your hand, that's a simple thing. But I wonder if you'll be bold like Jesus was bold enough. He actually said these words, if you... Acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. Would you be willing to step out of that pew if you raised your hand? Say, I want to get things right with the Lord today. I don't want a question mark. I just want to get things right today. Would you come? Would you come down front? still got time yeah there's another come on come on encourage this young lady guys to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to help you, uh, but it has to come from your heart. Otherwise, it's just words. If you mean it, I can tell you, I can assure you from God's word, you are a full-on follower of Jesus Christ. So pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I need you in my life. Thank you, Jesus died for me. You shed your blood for me. And I ask your forgiveness for all my sins. Everything I've ever done wrong, I give it over to you with gratitude for your work on my behalf. Also, I thank you, Jesus, that you rose out of the grave proving your power over death and hell. And because of that, I now have life everlasting. I'm yours, Lord. Amen. Come on, Reuben. I know y'all want to be up here with me. Y'all can come up here. Rachel, you can come too. 
So I say welcome to the family of God. Um, it's a pathway that you just got on today. So it's something you have to walk out, not just this moment. It's not once and done. I'm saved, now I'm going to heaven, now I can live like I want. Need to walk this out. So if you've never been baptized in water like the eunuch, we need to get you baptized in some way. Which happens to be next Sunday. <laughs> it can work out really well. So, would you mind, Reuben, y'all take them over and let them talk with uh, and you would you go with them too? Right there, that couple that's standing right there. You can go with her if she's your sister, daughter, friend, whatever. Folks, I know you've heard enough, and you've heard this enough. You can't spend much time around this preacher without understanding every one of us bear the responsibility of telling people about Jesus. All of us. None of us are exempt. There are no excuses. If you know Jesus, you need to be telling people about Jesus. He's the only way. Living right, being good, that's not the way. Jesus is the way. God bless you. Don't forget to pick up your donuts on your way out. Crispy, cream it up. She may have a few that those of you who didn't pre-order will get some. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.